Okay. All right. Hello. Today is a Monday, which means, well, today's a Sunday night, but when you're hearing this, it's likely a Monday, and that means that it is time for episode six of the Push to Shout podcast. I'm Skippy, and this is Brutalcom Powder. Hello. And uh, we've got some things to talk about this week, video games and whatnot. Uh, Thanksgiving. I don't know if you've got anything to say about that, but I do. Uh, but we're going to let Brutal start it out, so go ahead. All right, well, I did a lot this week. Um, obviously, Thanksgiving with the family, it was, it was good. We have a pretty big uh, family, so we all gather in this really long series of connected tables in this long room, and it's a real cozy affair. It's nice. It's delicious turkey, good fun. Um, I did finish Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Um, I really like that. I recommend it. And it's not like super fantastic Evangelion level or anything, but you know it's good. It's got a nice story. Played a does lot it have of. Any, uh, oh, does it have ahead. any cute girls? It has one cute girl who's kind of not even important, oh. but it's a good story. It's it's a well told story too. Uh, so yeah, played a lot of Smash 3DS while my brother was in town for Thanksgiving, and that was really fun. I haven't really been able to play much of the new Smash against actual people because matchmaking doesn't work at my university, so it's been a lot of terrible bot matches for me, so it was nice to go up against another person. And it's really, it's my favorite Smash so far, even just on on the 3DS. Like, it's got the right speed, just that sweet spot of not feeling sluggish like Brawl or like you're on speed in Melee. Like, no methamphetamines, just Smash. It's good. Um, I can't wait to play it on Wii U either. Have you tried the um, the game mode where you like go around the board and get characters and get power-ups and stuff? Um, well, there's like a classic mode, which is kind of going around a board... And they're branching pads. And then there's like, um, what's it called? Smash Run, where you go around a big map and collect power-ups. Seems like a neat idea for like, I guess a mixture of like Mario Party, but instead of Mario Party, it's an actual fun game for a good party. It's a little like that. I guess the closest thing it's to is actually if you ever played um, City Run or City Trial in Kirby Air Ride. No, I, Basically, I, the I way, never played Kirby Air Ride. I, I kind of wish I did. It's so fun. But the way that works and the way Smash Run works is you go around on this huge map collecting all kinds of power-ups like speed up or attack up or defense up. And then after a while, your time in this massive map ends and then you do one challenge and whoever wins that challenge is the winner. So it might be like fly as far as you can and then you know your your flight power-ups will have helped you. It basically works the same way in Smash, where you collect like speed or you know arms, defense, attack, things like that. Yeah, it works pretty well. It's not as fun as Kirby Air Ride, but and I think that mode is only on the 3DS version too. So that that kind of would have been cool to see on an actual proper console. No, there's, but there's definitely something like it on the Wii. Um, I definitely heard that there was some kind of board game thing where you go around and collect like the characters that you'll be fighting with and stuff and then you have like a big fight at the end. 
I don't know. You'll have to check it out. <laughs> yeah, when I go back, uh, when I fly back for Christmas, I can play it on my brother's Wii U, so that'll be fun. Also, I speaking of 3DS games, Mecha Gamezilla's Christmas video last year had a yeah. game called Harmo Harmo Night in it. And he didn't talk about it for very long. He basically just said uh, that it was fine and that he was bad at it. Is basically what I got from from his video. I got the game because I really, really love rhythm games, and it's not good. It's just mm. they have. I got a lot to say about this fucking game because nobody should buy it. Extremely boring soundtrack. Like the one thing a rhythm game needs, it has boring music. Um, basically every song in the game sounds the same, even in different worlds. They just sound like different instruments, and it's kind of like this generic, like almost marching band, weird improvisational, barely coherent melody. It's it's not the greatest at all, and they have these massive scenes of dialogue. Like it has this kind of bare bones story to drive it along, almost so, sort of like what you see in like a Mario game. Where it's like, oh, the princess captured, better do sure. something about it. But the dialogue goes on for so long, and you can't skip it. You can't skip any of it. It's a fucking rhythm game, and you, you can't skip the fucking Cut story. Out. I still can't hear you. Oh, you can't hear me? Hello? Hello? You're back. Hello, hello, hello. Okay. What was this? What happened? I don't know. Um, But... There's, what's the last thing you hear me say? The dialogue? Dialogue, yeah. Yeah, the dialogue goes on for a long, long time, and you can't skip it. You can't skip any of it. It's a rhythm game where you can't skip the shitty story. And <laughs> those scenes last so long. It's like, oh, I'm this new character that has this gimmick. Oh, hi there. And then every character in your party is like, hello, hi, I'm, this is me. And it, uh, it, it feels, in, I hate it when games feel like they're on a mission to waste my time. And that's what Harmonite is, basically. It's wasting your time in between these really generic kind of copy of Bitrip Runner, which is a way better game. And sometimes the, the beats don't even feel like they're on beat, exactly. Like, they feel a little bit off. It's just kind of sloppy. And sometimes it's fun, but those moments are fleeting. So yeah, I would not recommend Harmo Knight. Um but a better rhythm game, Rhythm Doctor, which we've talked about on two other episodes, I think. Um the what's his name? Hafiz Hazif something. I, something like that. Whoever made the game, um <laughs> he he heard about us talking about it on the podcast and shouted us out. And then I sent some tweet of the me playing the final song in the game and S ranking it. And then he tweeted back to me a work-in-progress build of this song that he's working on for Rhythm Doctor. And it's by far harder than anything else in the game. It's such a brutal song, but it's so cool. Because that's where I finally felt like it was was really doing its premise to its fullest extent. Like, the premise is to keep track of multiple rhythms at once and kind of feel them all out at the same time and put them together into something that makes a beat and feels good and he does that i think it's five different tracks 
of of rhythm that you have to keep up with. The most that happens in the vanilla game is is four technically, but usually it's never four going at the same time. You're just kind of switching between this two and then that two. It just shows them both at once. This time it's all five at once. It's really tough, but it's really fun. Um, you can see that on my Twitter, I think. I'll retweet it so that it's um, a little more visible, and we'll put a link to it in the show notes. But it's it's really cool, and it's really tough. Try playing it on double speed. <laughs> it's nuts. I, I watched your video of that, and like I was just like, that's never something that I'll be able to do. I, it doesn't look impossible or anything, but I don't have rhythm as it is. Like is. I'm not very good at that kind of stuff anyway. And <laughs> I was just losing track of like, I, I you, you basically, I, I feel like you kind of have to, uh, it's not memorization or it is memorization, but it's not like, uh, intentional because you're kind of learning the song as you repeat, uh, as you repeat it. And so you're starting to, you get, you get more into the rhythm by remembering how the song goes and how it changes. And that's how you end up, you know, beating the harder ones. But that one is just so far beyond anything like like any <laughs> anything in the other game or in the base game yeah, like i i guess if if rhythm doctor has one problem it's that it's sometimes hard to figure out from the first time through what exactly it wants you to do like um just looking at the the scrolling beats if there's a, like a lot happening at once and you haven't heard them before then you might not actually have any idea when it's going to come, or it's really hard to tell. Yeah. But then once you fail, it makes the clap at the right sound so that then you know what it wanted you to do. And it's way easier to kind of remember that, okay, this part goes like that, 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 instead of trying to keep track of those five. But once you do get the hang of that, you have, a, a, I guess, a a deeper appreciation for the the different undercurrents of the song. Like, you know that it's not just a, a single beat that there are these different elements to it that are coming together at different parts it sounds kind of kind of like wishy-washy but there's a feeling to it that's that's really unique and that even rhythm heaven doesn't quite do because rhythm heaven feels like you're keeping track of one rhythm instead of several so yeah I, i'm generally more satisfied after playing rhythm doctor yeah me too and 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 uh... I, what you're talking about makes a lot of sense if you if you have played the game because like tier four I think is the one with is like the last level of the base game where uh, there's four beats at once it's not incredibly hard but it is it, the probably the most difficult one in the game. Um, the there's the secret one tier six. Yeah, 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 those those get really hard. But I'm talking about just like the main ones. Um, it it you start to like the whole concept is that you're you're hitting it on the seventh beat, but when you get into those kind of more complicated songs, you're really listening to the to the rhythm itself of the song and you know which beats to hit without thinking of like, okay, this is the seventh beat or anything like that. You like yeah. you definitely don't count a seven in your head for sure. You just kind of know, okay, that's that's the beat. That's like where the emphasis is almost. It's it's kind of weird. It's it does a really good job of just kind of getting you into that musician mindset almost without having to, you know, actually play an instrument or it's, anything. It's hard to describe it in ways other than feeling, but yeah, I mean, the, it, it is feeling. rhythm games. They give like a more almost primal, like really deep kind of satisfaction. That's or not deep, but like a very simple, very awesome kind of satisfaction. Yeah. I mean, by, by deep, it, it's, 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 
it's almost instinctual. Like it's the yeah. satisfaction of this is going to be a really. Kind I of, did that right. Yeah. yeah. Here it comes. Bam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be like a really lame example, but it's almost like the satisfaction of doing something like hunting something, you know, like it, it, it's, 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 it's reaching out to a really primal instinct. And, and, and when you do it right, it, it's, it's satisfying in a really simple way. And it can be really frustrating Oh yeah, when you're going for the S rank and you like mess up the very last beat. But anyway, that's, that's for them, doctor. Um, I just started playing Age of Empires 2. I've literally played two games total, but I'm really enjoying it, so I'm definitely going to try to learn more. But I don't have much to say about it. Just figured I should mention that. I did see Interstellar on your recommendation. Mm-hmm. What'd you think? I I actually liked it. All right. I wish it did a little bit. I wish it did a little bit more hand waving, and didn't feel like it had to explain itself as much yeah. as it did. Yeah. Like. There were a couple scenes where I felt like it was explaining something that it already hinted at, but the the length of how they were describing it and the way they were describing it kind of made it boring. Definitely. Just lost any charm it had. And they explain like, things um, to such an extent that like it's completely unnecessary. Like all you have to say is we're gonna swing around the black hole and then and then the the other characters will like bring up these like, oh, but doesn't that mean blank? And then he'll have to explain that and it's like Okay, I get what you're doing. You're trying to answer audiences' questions before they start, but I'd say most of the audience isn't going to care at all. And and well, most of the audience isn't even going to notice. They're not going to ask those questions in the first place. And the ones that do, and uh, they they shouldn't care. That's that's what I really mean. Is 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 if you care about that kind of shit in a sci-fi movie, then you're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of sappy too, but I didn't mind that. Yeah, I, I liked that actually. I, I it felt like almost intentional. Now, I don't know. I don't want to spoil what character she plays, um, but uh, you know Murph? Yep. The woman Murph? Yep. Who plays her? I don't know. I recognize her. I have no idea. I I have never liked her in any role (laughs) I've ever seen her in, and this was not an exception. Her character, her specific character, no spoilers, but is the most boring character in that movie to me. Yeah, um, I I didn't like Jessica it. Chastain. That's okay, it, that's as, it. as a as the the child actor version was, it was pretty great actually. Great like, yeah. for her age, like she seemed like she was doing a fantastic job. Um, but I I agree, Definitely. I agree, and and the, and the the fact that like we're we're gonna try not to spoil like, but the fact that she's kind of introduced like pretty late into the movie where you're already you already know most of the characters, and then bam, there's another character that you're supposed to like. It's, she's basically another character. I mean, I know she was, <laughs> she's there right, the whole right. time, but she's basically another character, and and so you don't have a lot of time to kind of get to know her, and 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 what you do get to know doesn't seem very interesting or deep either, because like it's like she's still holding this grudge and stuff, and it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, like, I didn't like that, but it it didn't seem like that grudge that this character had would last. Yeah, that or was justified at all. At all. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, that's that's Interstellar. And lastly, I played Tales from the Borderlands, Ooh. which, if you don't know, is a Telltale's like Borderlands <laughs> adventure story. And I have never liked Borderlands. I was bored by Borderlands One. I was actively irritated by Borderlands mm-hmm. Two, and I couldn't stomach more than like an hour of the pre-sequel. Um, but Tales from the Borderlands isn't, like, 
great. Wolf Among Us, Walking Dead, Season 1 are still clearly better. But it's by far the best thing in the Borderlands series. Yeah, that's... By kind of... By taking away your ability to just kill everything, kill every bullet sponge with a shitty tacked-on personality, like, it, it... The elite mob bosses that are normally just bullet sponges with title cards in the regular Borderlands games are now actually kind of intimidating because even like a single bandit could fuck your character up and Troy Baker does a good job with the voice in that one uh, but yeah it's a it's a decent story the weakest parts of it are definitely the kind of forced quirkiness yep. and there is some of that but but still way less than than uh, Borderlands 2 or the pre-sequel, which is really refreshing. Yeah. And um, it's the only time I've ever actually felt interested in the Borderlands world. They finally made it seem a little bit grounded, which is, it definitely needed that. It was way too boisterously playing that, uh, where, you know, wangy, zacky, weenie, zack, what am I saying? Zany, wacky parody. Yeah. The uh, the little bit that I saw, I saw probably fifteen minutes of like kind of the beginning where he's like getting interviewed by someone in the big corporation or whatever, and uh, the little bit I saw, like I noticed how different the humor was and how much just frankly just better the humor is. Than... Telltale is just so much better. Right? Yeah, um, and Anthony fucking Birch. Like it's not it's not like fantastic, but the the humor's way more subdued and and just. It's still not at all subtle, but that's not Borderlands style, and it shouldn't be subtle. But it's 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 just better. <laughs> it's it, it kind of reminds me of like Portal Two a little bit, which Portal Two kind of took Portal's humor and amplified it a little bit. Um, I, I, and and yeah, the writing's just better, the voice acting's better. Although the voice acting in Borderlands has never been just a huge turnoff, but um, the one thing I did notice though, and I I think this is just this is probably true for all of Telltale's games. But I, for some reason, I noticed it way more with this. The animations, the character animations—they are real bad. Like, yeah, woo, uh, very stiff. Yeah, and like if they're holding and an object, they do that. It, they do that telltale thing where if you're walking and then you stop walking, you don't like you don't rest your feet. You just stop mid stride, freeze completely. Yeah, you can tell when they're like. Uh, I don't know. You can you can just tell when what the animators are doing and like okay, there's three seconds of just the characters not moving at all, and then oh they move and then they stop again, and it's just God <laughs> they need to work on that. Just like a really simple. I don't know how animation works, but I know that there's a way to just kind of keep the character moving a little bit, keep like a little bit of an it's idle honestly, animation. It's their engine. They need a new engine. Yeah. It's time. They have big enough names paying them to make adventure games, Game of Thrones. I mean, they have the cash. They need to make a new engine. Yeah. But overall, it was it was decent. Good. I would hesitate to buy it, though. This is not a recommendation. Because <laughs> at the very end, I don't even care about spoiling this. At the very end, maybe if you care, then skip ahead a minute. But at the very end, Handsome Jack shows up, like his ghost, his digital ghost. Mm. And maybe you like Handsome Jack. But I fucking hate that character so much. I haven't disliked the character this much in a long time. He is everything I hate about Borderlands 2. He's just the embodiment of wacky, edgy humor. Um, you know, dick butt. Uh, LOL. I'm going to shoot you in the back. And 
this is cool. This is funny. We're having a funny moment right now. Everything he says is an attempt to be funny. And I can't stand it. I can't stand the character. So that's the only thing that's that's getting me scared for episode two is the fact that Handsome Jack is in the game at all. Yeah. So I would wait to see how that pans out before putting your money down on the table. The thing is, like, I don't think and that's my I don't think that's an unpopular opinion. And for some reason, they just keep trying with that character. But I went on the Telltale forums, and people love him. Oh, damn. I'm shocked. It, it astounds me that anybody could not want to gag when they see that character. But, well, oh well. Um, yeah, my turn, I guess. Um, as far as video games go, I have started playing Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker. I've uh, been meaning to do it for a while, and I finally started it up. Um, I'm enjoying it so far. I kind of already had seen a lot of the beginning of this game, so I'm kind of having to like skip through like some of the dialogue and stuff where it's just like, okay, I already know what happens here. But um yeah, that is not really a Metal Gear game almost. Like you you do you do very little actual like sneaking around and being on a mission. It's it's a lot of like management uh stuff, which is fine. I, I, I'm I'm enjoying it. Um you can very much tell that it was a mobile game. I'm playing it on the PS3, uh, and it was originally for I think just the PSP. Uh, but yeah, it's it's neat. the The story seems I don't know fine so far. I haven't really gotten into it far enough. I think for there to be a lot of I don't know. I haven't gotten to the meat of the story as far as Metal Gear goes. But uh, yeah, I'm liking it. I'll have more to say about it when I when I play more of it. I think um, once you uh, get to the ending. Just look up the a hundred percent ending on on YouTube or something because okay. that's like the real ending that leads into Ground Zeroes, but it takes like dozens and dozens and yeah. dozens of hours of grinding to get the real ending. It's a huge pain in the ass. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was that. Um. I also bought Binding of Isaac, the Rebirth or whatever. Um, nice. I've probably played about an hour of it. Uh, I've done I think three different runs Um, the first time the first run I did I just did a run and then quit Uh, I was kind of enjoying it I got like a a few bosses in or whatever and and then I died and I was just kind of like yeah this is neat I guess whatever Uh, it didn't leave much of an impression on me and then I I started playing it again this morning just a little bit and uh, and I, I started understanding why people like okay the first time I played it I couldn't understand what the big deal about this game was because people really love it and um, I just I was just kind of like this seems okay but I don't know why anyone would you know get crazy about this or anything but my like second and third runs I, I realize now why people love that game and and it's almost solely because of there's there's such a clear sense of progression as you go through the game and it's so quick too like you just get more and more powerful as you go and um it's and you move at your own pace and it's just it's a it's a really deeply satisfying game i don't like the art style or anything but it's that's fine whatever it's fun um it's i i I like that you point out that you do it at your own pace yeah because a really interesting thing is that unlike in basically every other game like it the collectibles don't disappear like if a coin drops it doesn't flash after yeah. a bit and then go away everything bombs and coins and hearts all of it stays permanently and some of it's hidden behind rocks or some of it's by spikes and stuff and you have time to plan out exactly what you want to do and what what uh 
what trade-ups you have to make. Yeah, the, the, that's part of what I really like about it is because I pretty much the only game like this that I've played before is Spelunky. Have you played Spelunky? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah um, I played quite a bit. Of I didn't play the XBLA one, but I played the original. I played it on the Steam, which is a port of the XBLA version. But um, I that's a fun game. I really like it. But it it definitely pressures you to go fast. Like you have to go as fast as you can. Actually, if you want to do well, you have to kind of know what you're doing and and, and get through as quickly as possible. Because after like a couple of minutes in a level a ghost starts going through and it'll kill you if you touch it. And just like that game, just it's very fast paced. Um, it doesn't have a Way timer. Than Isaac. Uh, maybe it does have a timer, but it's not like counting down or anything, but like you're still, you're just constantly under pressure and, and binding of Isaac, you can just kind of sit in a room and wait if you want to, or like catch your breath or whatever. Um, just move at your own pace. And, and that, that, feels way more relaxed it's like a it's it's a less stressful game to play but it, it's pretty cool um it's a good game to eat a snack while playing yeah and I, i'm i'm going out of my way to avoid uh kind of looking up anything about the game so like figuring out what items do or anything like that um so that's also another really satisfying thing is like when you walk in a room and there's a new item and you pick it up yeah. like it's really like it's fun to, that that that's exciting. Like you're like, okay, I wonder what this is going to do. And like half the time it does something that you don't want it to do, but that's part of the fun too. Um, but uh, yeah, cool game. Uh, looking forward to playing more of it. Uh, let's see. I think that's it for video games I've played except CSGO, which I don't know if there's nothing to talk about that really. <laughs> CSGO. I mean, um, we played three games today. Yeah. And lost one, one, two. Yeah. We had fun. Um, we need to play more together. But anyway, uh, I watched, one of my favorite movies of all time. Okay, well, leading up to this, I the trailer for Jurassic Park or J- Jurassic World, I'm sorry, came out, um, and I was just pretty put off by it. I, I it's it looked not good at all to me. Um, I love the premise, but it looks yeah, bad. the premise is fine. Like I wouldn't mind that much of uh, like yeah, sure, you can make a new Jurassic Park for you know today's audiences or whatever, but. It seems like they're gone. They're the just. It looks bad. Yeah, visually it looks bad. Um, and from what I, you can, the little bit you can tell from like the plot and stuff and the characters, just uh, I, I, I don't have high hopes for that movie. But um, I was joking on Twitter about like ruining other movies by putting you know stereotypical modern day actors in them and putting a lot of CGI in it. And I, I reminded myself that Close Encounters of the Third Kind exists, which is a Steven Spielberg movie from the late seventies. And, uh, it is, it's, first of all, it's like your, it's the epitome of like sci-fi small town aliens come to a small town, that kind of plot. Um, it, the first half of the movie is almost entirely just build up where you don't really see a lot of even the aliens, like spaceships or anything like that, but they're, they're kind of messing with people in the town and stuff. And like, it's not scary. There's a little bit of a creepy factor to it, but it's a lot of it's actually kind of funny, but it, they just do such a good... There's a scene in the movie where he's waiting at a... Uh, he's in his truck at night, and he's lost, the, the main character, and he's got his map pulled up, and he's reading his map, and headlights come up behind him, and he waves them by, and a, a car drives by, and kind of the guy yells at him out of the window, like, you're stopped in the middle of the road, what are you doing? And then um, another pair of headlights pulls up behind him, and he waves for it to pass. And instead of driving around him, it just it just lifts straight up, 
behind his truck like it hovers and uh just like that scene uh, there's so many I, I could i could just gush over this movie there's so many great scenes the the first scene of the movie is fantastic and just you need to watch that movie if if you like movies <laughs> it's good um the, my only complaint about it is that it gets a little indulgent in the last like 30 minutes or so because it's special effects that look really fantastic in the 70s but now aren't really that impressive um, although if you're into special effects, if you're into practical special effects, then this is another perfect movie to watch because like you can just kind of imagine what they're having to do to create these spaceships flying around and stuff like it, it's pretty impressive. But uh, yeah, that's a great movie. You need to watch it. Um, let's see. I watched. Uh, OK, well, there was Thanksgiving. I'm just going to start with Thanksgiving. I I, uh, I had Thanksgiving with my family. Um we actually do two Thanksgiving days, one for my mom's side, one for my dad's side. So double the food, double the family, all that stuff, which is pretty nice. But um, on my dad's side, everyone's like hunters and everyone has guns and stuff. And so we shot a gun. We, um, My dad has a three fifty seven Magnum, uh, which is a pretty cool weapon. And, uh, and we took it outside and shot it at a target for a little while. Um, that's... It's actually like this is gonna sound so lame, but it it while I was shooting it, I was thinking like, you know, there's a lot of video games that really get the feeling of shooting a gun like this right. Like it gives you a new level of, of pre- appreciation for certain games where like the revolver actually feels like it has some weight to it and like re- recoils in the right way and stuff. And um, yeah, it, it's fun. It's not the first time I've shot shot it, but it's always fun to do that. Um, but anyway, uh, let's see. There was there was a football game this weekend that uh, is a big game down here in the South, and especially in Alabama. It is a classic rivalry between the University of Alabama and the University of Auburn, which I went to Auburn. And so um, that was a big deal. It was a really crazy game, like back and forth, all that stuff. And Auburn ended up losing, which was really disappointing. But uh, after the football game, I watched... <laughs> esports um csgo because i had heard there was a lot of drama in the uh sport in fact actually you know what this is the last thing of my week to talk about so we can just segue straight into what happened in the csgo drama shit if you want to talk about that um but i'll 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 kind of introduce it uh there's a uh popular swedish team called fanatic and they were playing i think a french team called LDLC. LDLC. Yeah. yeah. Um and it was a pretty close game for a while and then they got to like they do three rounds, three different maps, best of three. Uh so it was pretty close. They were on the third map and uh on overpass. Yeah, overpass and Fnatic finds or they they well, already know the score the score was 12 and 3. Yeah, against Fnatic. LDLC was winning, Fnatic was losing. Yeah, and uh Fnatic pulled out this move that they'd obviously planned quite heavily, which required a kind of complicated series of boosts, um, which means that you're they're jumping on top of each other's heads to reach high places or whatever. And in the in the game it looks totally legit, like while you're watching it, and the commentators are, are actually saying, like, yeah, this actually looks like totally like a legitimate thing that nobody's found yet. Um because there's kind of a little ledge on the on the, the wall, it looks like. 
but but basically, it'll, this boost allows them to see literally about fifty percent of the map. Um, just cut off fifty percent of the map. So you put a sniper up there, and they the the other team doesn't know to look up there, so they're just getting cut down round after round, and and basically, long story short, Fnatic wins after this huge deficit, and uh, and then the drama started. Um, so you and I disagree on this. You think it's legit, bit. right? Is that I don't think it's I don't think it's legit from okay, so I had to do my research first to to find out that even though that there's a visual ledge there, that the map wasn't made for that ledge to be stood upon. Yeah, basically. it's just a decal basically. It's not part yeah. of the geometry. Yeah. So I thought like, okay, it's legitimate. They they found kind of a a cheesy spot like it's definitely cheesy um but well they didn't find it okay this is part of what pisses me off and what pisses a lot of people off is that somebody uploaded a video of this boost to youtube before dreamhack and then after that it was taken down and then it comes to dreamhack and Fnatic is the only team in the world who knows about it yeah so there's really not grounds to say that they talked to this guy or that they paid this guy, but it's very suspicious that this boost that gives you an overwhelming dominant advantage over the other team, you can see the entire map, you can snipe people, and in a certain position, somebody tested this, you can't be hurt oh. on that boost spot. Like, even if you know where they are, which, if you played the map a thousand times, you still wouldn't know where they are, because nobody goes there. That doesn't make any sense. Then you still wouldn't be able to hurt them. It's absolute garbage. And they knew. They knew for two months, and they didn't tell Valve about it, because they were planning to whip it out at a tournament. I have no sympathy for them at all. Yeah, I I had sympathy at first, because I thought, okay, this is a it's a boost on the map that hey you know okay nobody else knows about it they didn't report it to valve because why would they it's really competitive you know they're working they're fighting for a hundred thousand dollars and i think i think that at the time all the other teams like had pretty much said yeah if we knew about it we would have done it too like it's not like we would be any different but the fact that it is definitely an exploit and like i think that they would have known it's an exploit from from what i've research from what i found about how you do it like you kind of have to be very specific where you're standing and stuff and it just it it obviously isn't the the map isn't made to have that be a feature um so yeah that it it doesn't it, it it's definitely not legit and and um i think that i think in the end they decided to do a rematch i think that's what dreamhack the official ruling was to re replay the entire map yeah and I and Fnatic just wound up forfeiting. Yeah, a, a lot of people were really pissed off that they decided to to do a rematch instead of like outright banning them or whatever. But I don't know. I, I think a rematch is perfectly fair. Um, I, I think that's pretty much the fairest way to do it. Uh, but yeah, uh, the thing is, like, the thing is, it's not like they were cheating in a like they were in front of everyone could see what they were doing. You know, so it's not like oh they got away with it. it it's like everyone knows what they're doing. So it. it there's something less scummy about it to me um, than, than mm. for example. I don't know. I just I just remember fucking uh, Fnatic when Get Right after NIP lost to Fnatic, 
um, went over to shake their hand and they told him to fuck off. <laughs> These are not good people. Yeah, well, that's that's or, probably not the nice entire people. CSGO community they're assholes. As well, but... It's really not. Fnatic is consistently the the biggest dicks in professional CS:GO, and they prove that again at DreamHack. And um, I'm done with Fnatic. I'm was, Jesus Christ, fuck them. <laughs> was Fnatic and Flusha, Flusha? I don't know how to pronounce it. This cunt. And you say that you don't think it's unnatural. I don't. Well, shocks, and lots of other pros do. But that's just a he said, he said, she said thing. But somebody actually went through all these suspect clips of Flusha, and they found that it's basically always the twelfth bullet. So he'll be spraying, and then the twelfth bullet locks on to their head. And that's what happened when the guy kind of peeked out from uh, from quad. Like, he was spraying, gets to bullet number 12, and it tries to lock on to the, uh, the closest head. But what actually happens is another head comes out from behind the corner that the hack wasn't expecting, and it tries to lock on to that, and then it goes back to where he was aiming. Yeah. He's still a good player. Like, he can do fine without hacks. But uh, Fnatic, as as they show with the boost, they're willing to do any dishonest shit they can get away with that'll give them an advantage. And it's getting very, very hard for me to trust them. And it's getting very, very hard for lots of other players to trust them, including pro players like Shox. As as far as the hacks thing go thing goes, um, I, the way that I saw it from the videos that I saw, which were just compilations of like, okay, here's here's a suspicious moment, here's a suspicious moment, here's a suspicious moment. Just putting all those together and and putting them out of context, and I feel like you could probably do that with any other player if you just looked deep enough. Like, oh, here's a moment where he just happened to to snap to the person's head through the wall, but like. Pros are twitching their aim all over the place, and uh, you know every round they're going to have moments where they're aiming at the other team through the wall. And and if you put them all together, if you start searching for them like that, and it's like a you know it's the it's the classic kind of witch hunt thing where it's like oh you know you know most of these moments look exactly like other pros are doing like ah, the kind of thing that other pros are doing, but because it's someone that we're automatically suspicious of. Uh, that prejudice kind of causes us to say, well, it's definitely hacking, not not just coincidence. And I'm not saying he's definitely not hacking, but I I I don't see the proof. Um, well, let's say it's a witch hunt. Why did it start? This was an issue before DreamHack and before Fnatic was back on everybody's shit list. There was really no reason to throw Flusha under the bus. These were things that a lot of people noticed, and it wasn't an accident. Like, his plays are extremely suspicious. And again, I don't want it to be a war of opinion, but Shox has some of the best aim in the entire game of Counter-Strike. And he is utterly convinced that Flusha is hacking, or was hacking. Well, I'll I'll be really interested uh, to see if there's, like, an official investigation of it. I I doubt there will be. I don't think they want to offend, like, their pro teams. Or, you know, they can't... They don't just want to stir shit when... Admittedly, even though I'm convinced and lots of other people are convinced, it's not enough evidence to like ban him from CS:GO or anything. Like that much is clear that it's not conclusive. So there probably won't be an investigation, but hopefully it's enough pressure for him to stop 
if he's doing anything at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I haven't watched enough to kind of learn the personalities of the team or anything. Like I'd seen a few fanatic games where they've done some pretty impressive stuff and, and, and I liked that about them, but I'd never seen like their off the stage persona oh, or anything assholes. like that. Yeah. I think, I think fanatic were the ones, uh, there was a person during the fanatic versus LDLC match and I don't remember which team he was on, but I think it was fanatic. He was wearing a, a Redskins hat and, uh, I, you know, like that's a whole other thing, but like the fact that he was wearing that hat and was either Swedish or French was like, it's almost 100% just, he's obviously just doing it to piss people off, which come on, man. <laughs> but They're um, assholes. They really yeah. are assholes who are good at CSGO. Yeah. Um, well, people who are good at CSGO do tend to be assholes, I think, but <laughs> well, uh, they're worse than any, <laughs> they're, yeah, they're no, worse know, than any team mean. I know. Yeah. And and Nip, from what I've seen, they they don't seem too bad or anything. Like I've seen oh, some behind the scenes videos, and they kind of seem fun. But whatever, uh, we'll move on. Um, let's see. Uh, I've got on to hear the 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 Halo um, Master Chief Collection. Um, this was released, I think, a little over a week ago, or maybe about a week ago. Probably a little over a week ago. Um, it's the it's the Xbox One collection of four Halo games, one through four, and. Uh, it has the special thing where the multiplayer is like multiple maps and game types and even weapons from the different Halos. Like you can play Halo 2's multiplayer and Halo 3's multiplayer uh, and switch between them in matchmaking seamlessly. But they are definitely like they they aren't just the maps or anything. Like they're the actual multiplayer. Like they work the same way. They've got the same weapons and everything. Um, so it's like this kind of really complicated system. But it, it was this main selling point. Kind of was like we've we've got all of your classic multiplayer stuff that you really like, you know, you go back to Halo 2 and play the multiplayer. Um, but the matchmaking since it's come out apparently has pretty much not worked at all. Like nobody can play. Uh, and if they, if they do finally get in the game, uh, it, it does this weird shit where like, uh, the wrong person will win. Like instead of the person with the most what? kills, it'll be some random other person or even like, the kills popping up on the top of the screen or the bottom of the screen or whatever, they'll like show the wrong people killing each other and, and just really bizarre stuff like that. Um, and it's becoming increasingly obvious that they just ship the game for black Friday without like knowing that it's broken somewhere to Assassin's Creed unity, which we'll talk about later. Um, I, I think it's really obvious that they've just shipped the game knowing it's broken and saying like, well, hopefully we'll get it fixed before, you know, like like it goes gold a couple of weeks before you know they ship it or whatever, or before it's released. So maybe they hoped that they would be able to patch it before that, and then that didn't work out. Or like it seems like they don't even know what's wrong because it's been a week or more of multiple patches. I think where they ha still haven't fixed it. Uh, it's pretty pretty bad. And and I I don't know Microsoft that Xbox One man, they're doing everything they can to lose the battle against. Them. PS4. Um, it's a I really awesome idea, though. Just you know, it sounds and is insanely tough to execute. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, they were very ambitious about it, and you know, like I think it's got that same thing that Halo Anniversary had, where you can press a button and it goes to like the classic graphics, and then you press it again and it goes back to the, you know, the HD graphics or whatever. Which there's a huge difference between the two. Yeah. And so, like, I can't even imagine what kind of programming goes into all that shit and it is the base game as well like that 
it must be insanely hard to do. And I, I do have a lot of respect for the people trying to do it. I think it's, I think it was an executive decision to, <laughs> to ship the game. Broken. By Black Friday. You know, I feel yeah. really bad for the people who are scrambling to try to fix this, this game. It's, it's probably a nightmare, but, uh, yep. but damn Microsoft, get your shit together. Uh, and I guess we'll segue straight into just, I don't think there's a lot to say about this, but, uh, Sassy Creed Unity still kind of broken. Um, well, still very broken, but playable at least. Um, they uh, there's two things actually that, that that have happened. Ubisoft has come out and they've said that they're no longer selling the season passes um, until they can fix the game, or I don't know, maybe they'll never sell them. Uh, but the problem is that a lot of people have already bought the season passes, uh, so they're giving those people a free game off of Ubisoft's library, which includes stuff like. Like the, even like the crew is on there and it's not even out yet. So like they're actually like very modern games. So I don't know. It's probably a an okay trade, but Jesus it's Christ, like, the fact that they're having to do that. It's like in a restaurant. It's like in a restaurant that if you if you're having to comp a whole bunch of food, then something's going wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. You know, like you you put in an order for a steak and then like. 20 minutes later, they come back and say, oh, we're out of steak, but you can choose something else on the menu. Um, now, from what from what I understand, they stopped selling the season pass permanently. It seems and that way. that they're going to give the DLC to everybody who bought the game. Uh, and then the people who bought the season pass get a free game. Yeah, I think that is the plan. I think the DLC is now free. Um I don't know. Like, why does it even matter at this point? Just fix fix the game. Jesus Christ! This probably cost them. This probably cost them on the net. Like, yeah, they lost more money for doing this. Clearly, now not just in terms of press, but in the actual decisions they made. Yeah, but I think so the... maybe maybe this will be what it takes to fix Ubisoft's shit. Maybe I I think that this will be the. Um, I don't know. This is I think this is just a distraction from really what's really costing them money, which is. A cons- now now consistent track record of broken games which that's not good you know people notice um people noticed with ea and ea's ea is really struggling to respond to that like with battlefield 4 which came out so broken nobody could play it now they've pushed back their new battlefield or whatever and i don't know i it's I, we'll see how they handle it but so far i think it was a good decision to <laughs> to stop selling the season pass and make the DLCs free and give away the games and stuff. I I think that that that's an overall gain probably. Um they're not they're they're losing money in the short term, but I think they're probably gaining some good faith with their <laughs> with their customers, but it's a rough situation. I mean, at this point I wouldn't even call it good faith. They're they're gathering they're just kind of trying to scrub away the yeah. bad faith that they yeah. have so much of. Um, although I, I'm sure there's plenty of people who say, it's going to be a while before Ubisoft can have anything that resembles good yeah. faith. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of people who don't give a shit about the the frame rate being terrible and the graphical problems and all that stuff, and they just say, "Oh, great, a free game! Awesome. Ubisoft's awesome." <laughs> but, cool. They they know my needs as a consumer. Um, they are pro consumer. Yeah. Because they gave me a game. Um, I want I want you to talk about this next thing that's on the on the news: the uh, Dark Souls Two. Scholar of the First Sin has been announced. Yep. So Dark Souls 2 came out 2014. Like, uh, I think it was, was it late 2013 and early 2014? Like, I don't remember. PC. I think it was something like that. Anyway, PC came out later. Uh, PC was definitely 
like spring 2014 and already we have a like a remake announced and it's going to give graphical upgrades to the game the graphical upgrades are going to come to um it's a new version of the game for ps4 and xbox one and then there's a pc version a direct x11 version of dark souls 2 but it's going to be sold as like a new purchase which is mind-numbing <laughs> Uh, they're also like adding some some NPCs and making some gameplay changes. I think they're trying to unfuck the story and unfuck the uh, uh, like the geometry of the world. Because one of the things they said is that they're augmenting item descriptions. So I think they're trying to make things make more sense. But it's just like one definitely too little, too late. The game's been out for a while. You've already shipped three DLC packs. These kind of very basic fixes should have happened a while ago if they were going to happen. And the oh God, I, I'm so mad that they're trying to sell me the game again on PC. That really rubs me the wrong way. It's just a Direct X11 version of the game. Why can't they do what Civ Five does? Civ Five, if you've ever played it, when you go to launch it, it'll ask if you would like to run the Direct X9 or Direct X11 version of the game. The same Steam purchase, the same Steam library entry, has both versions of the executable that you can choose from at launch. So they have no justification whatsoever to do this, other than gouging people out of more money. And now they are adding, like, six-person multiplayer in the new version, but who even cares? Four people is chaotic enough, but six people is just going to be... More chaos and hardly any difference. Yeah, that's too much. And plus, this Scholar of the First Sin, there's going to be like a DLC pack included in it too. But, I mean, who cares about that at this point? The whole thing launches after Bloodborne comes out. (laughs) So I guess that doesn't matter if you don't have a PS4. But if you do have a PS4 or you're going to get one for Bloodborne when it comes out, which I know a lot of people are doing, then why would you ever care about Dark Souls 2 anymore? It was already kind of tired when it launched. And now it's been out for a year. By the time this comes out, it's going to be going on two years almost, or at least a year and a half. People are basically done with Dark Souls 2. I know I'm done with Dark Souls 2. When I finished the snowy DLC with the Elium Lois and everything, my the first feeling in the front of my mind was, thank God I'm done with this game. <laughs> I don't have to play it anymore. I'm done. And you know what? I am not buying this Scholar of the First Sin. Just on principle, vote with your wallet. Don't let them do this. This is insane. It's just a graphical upgrade, and they're selling it as a whole new game. Just fuck off from software. You did the graphics downgrade first. You fucked over people. You're doing it again, and I'm not going to get fucked anymore. Yeah, I um, I think what they're really doing is, I think because it, Largely because it's coming out after Bloodborne, they know that they're not going to be really appealing that much to classic Dark Souls fans or whatever. But I think what they will, I think what they're trying to do is make a big release that people who have kind of always said, "Ah, maybe I'll try out Dark Souls 2, but they have never really gone in for it. They're trying to make a big release that says, this is Dark Souls 2, but better. And then maybe they'll grab some people who say, oh, well, I guess maybe now I'll get it. Um, I'm glad they're trying to fix the game, but you're right. It's too little too late. And, 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 and they already, like the, the world of the game is already 
in everyone's mind who's played it. So going in and trying to change the item descriptions and change like the layout of the world and stuff, if that is what they're doing, I'm always going to remember the way it exactly. was first. And and that's that's what I imagine when I think of Drain Lake. You know, that's it. And so if they change it, it's just going to be weird and off putting, and also just like, uh, oh, this is maybe better, but I, it's always going to be in your head how it was. And so I, I I don't think that that's I don't know whatever. I I'm glad they're trying to change it, but the the whole buy it again for pc like i understand it for the consoles where it's like okay it's the next generation so great but for the pc it at the very least it should be uh, i think um what game did this the uh dragon fuck what game was it where they came out with like a kind of like they had a dlc version that for some reason couldn't be downloaded onto the main game and so they were selling the game again but they made it basically the price of a dlc like 20 or 30 dollars um really what what was it it was an rpg um i can't remember it someone will fucking comment hopefully but anyway um it it uh yeah for for whatever reason like it was all their fault like somehow they coded the game in a way where they couldn't add on the dlc they wanted to add like they like it changed the world in some way and so they had to just like make a new version of the game but if you already owned the game you could kind of i not trade it in but like do a proof of purchase thing and like buy it for like $30 or something. So I don't know. Like, at least they tried to say, okay, you've already bought the game, so here's a better deal. Um, it, yeah. Like if they do, I have a feeling they're going to give some kind of discount if you already they have need it. They need to. I might, I might buy it if the discount is significant yeah. enough. If it's going to be $5 for this upgrade, maybe I'll do it. <laughs> it's not going to be $5. Be 15 yeah, it's pushing it. If it's anything more than fifteen, you can count. Yeah, I, I, if they do do a discount, I would estimate uh, probably thirty dollars. I, I would say. Well, how That's much has the so, DLC been so. before now? The season pass was twenty five dollars. Yeah, maybe maybe they'll go cheaper than that then. Um, but yeah, I, I maybe they weren't planning to do that originally, but there's been a huge backlash to this, and I'm sure they're seeing that, and maybe hopefully changing. I'm glad that they idea. haven't like officially come out with the specifics of it all yet because it gives them time to kind of evaluate their PR situation yeah. and maybe change their mind. Hopefully. Oh, well. Hold on. Looks like Skippy moved out of the channel for some reason. All right. You back with us? Yep. God, this is a technical difficulty podcast. Um, actually, you know, our technical difficulties haven't been all that bad until now. So yeah. anyway, um, so what else happened? Okay, the big news of this week. This isn't video games, but it, this is nerd news. Um, the new Star Wars trailer. I don't know if you're a big Star Wars fan or not, but I'm sure you saw the trailer. Uh, yeah, what do you think? I did. Um, I'm. Well, I knew that there was no chance of it ever being worse than the prequels, <laughs> and yeah, it kind of looks cool. I'm gonna yeah. see it. J.J. Abrams is a competent director. He He's not going to make a bad movie, I don't think. So it'll just be more Star Wars. And it'll probably be more directly... This isn't a really descriptive word, but it most accurately gets across what I'm trying to say. Plotty? Yeah. J.J. Like Abrams' movies feel very plotty. Like there's a, like a villain and there's a hero, and it's a very, very simple arc. But it's they're usually good arcs. They're they're plotty. They have a really traditional kind of feeling to them, and they they feel comfortable. Like you feel like you're in good hands. 
and they're not going to blow your mind or reinvent the wheel, but they get the job done, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, um, that's pretty similar to what my ideas were. I, I, Before I saw the trailer, I wasn't worried at all about the movies being bad. Um, I, I thought they could be, you know, they could be kind of bad. I knew they weren't going to be worse than the prequels, and I knew that the prequels had already kind of ruined official Star Wars movies, and so there was no way it was going to ruin them further. Uh, but something I did realize after watching the trailer was, wait a minute, there is still room to ruin things like the Millennium Falcon and Han Solo and Chewbacca and all these lovable things from the uh, originals <laughs> that were never in the prequels. Luckily, were never in the prequels. Um, there, there is still a chance to ruin those, but I, I agree with you. I don't think J.J. Abrams will do anything egregious with any of those characters or anything. Like, that's the. I think the Star Trek. I think the reason that he was he was put on the star Wars movies was because of star Trek because oh, for sure. Yeah. Because what he did with star Trek was actually pretty impressive. In my opinion, it was like, take this sci-fi concept, uh, this show that a lot of people really love. And that's kind of a part of mainstream culture in a little bit of, at least a little bit of a, of a, to an extent, but um, take that and make a kind of just like you said, plotty, just like a movies, movie perverson's movie you know like it's just it's got a it's got a bad guy and a good guy and they've got to overcome uh the differences between the the good guys you know characters and they they pull through it in the end you know it's it's a very simple story and and the pacing of it was pretty wonderful and 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 the the visuals were great although everyone's got their wins for your complaints but whatever um I, I i liked those movies i didn't think they were amazing or anything but I thought that they were good sci-fi flicks. Um, I, I wasn't a huge... The difference is I wasn't a huge Star Trek fan going in. So, Well, the thing to me is that Star Wars, those movies have never been as surreal yeah, yeah. as Star Trek the show. So I didn't at all... I'm not a big Star Trek fan, so I guess I really can't speak that much on it, but I've seen some of it, and I didn't feel like those movies were ruining... Star Trek, they were different for sure, but I feel like they had a, a respect for what it used to be. And yeah. I feel like there's even less potential to fuck that up here because Star Wars was always kind of very... Star Wars was plotty too. Not as plotty as your average J.J. Abrams movie, but it wasn't as like the thinking man sci-fi. It was, it was a fun sci-fi flick and it had a lot of cool stuff world building in it that gave it complexity but that was never the the main point of star wars was the the ethical dilemmas so yeah there's really not much i think that people liked about the original star wars that is going to be missing from from the remakes obviously characters and stuff aren't going to be in the same incarnations and everything so maybe those will be missed but as far as tone goes i think it'll be consistent i the thing about the thing about Star Trek, like, I, I've watched a few episodes of Star Trek. I, I I know the characters well enough to, like, recognize them from the the movie and everything. He did a little bit too much, like, uh, references. Like, oh, this is the guy who says this quote, and this is the guy who did this this one time. And um, he kind of threw it all into the movie. But the, it was all such small stuff. Like, it, it kind of takes you out of the movie for a second, but it, it's not a big deal. And overall, the movies were really well made and... and and did a really good job of just of just keeping you keeping you involved and, and enjoying it. Um, and I, I think 
I, I can trust him with Star Wars, and 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 like you've said, Star Wars the the plot is almost irrelevant. It's 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 about the adventure, and it's about the uh, very simple uh, evolution of the characters, and 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 examining the Force and what that means from a from a moral standpoint and all that stuff. I mean, it's they're very simple movies, and as long as he gets the the sense of adventure. Right, I think that you can't really go wrong, honestly. Um, of course, everyone's always going to have their complaints, and they're already complaining about the trailer. Like, I've seen people complaining. Okay, I can understand. Like, you see the lightsaber with like the hilt or whatever, and it's like that doesn't make any sense. Like, okay, sure, but people were complaining about the robot that 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 was on the ball. Like, how can you complain about <laughs> that? Like, what is what is your complaint? It's a robot on a ball. I like, I like that because the robots neat, all had it's these. It's a neat design. They had these. The robots in Star Wars have cheeky little attitudes. Yeah. And it makes sense that one would play with a ball. I don't, I, it's not playing with a ball. The ball's part of the robot. Maybe that was people's issue with it. I, it's not just riding on a ball. Okay. It is the ball. I guess I haven't... I guess I haven't, like... All I saw was, like, the one-second <laughs> shot with the well, robot it is just a on the ball. Shot, but, yeah. yeah, like, it's a really short bit. Yeah. It's surprising that people would get worked up about it anyway. I, I but, don't know. Even still, the robots do have that kind of attitude where having a ball be a part of their body still doesn't ruin them. Like, not at all. They have these little quirky personalities to them, and not Borderlands claptrap quirky. Yeah. <laughs> where it's completely overbearing, and that's the point of the character. Star Wars robots are just kind of they're if, fun. If um, if the robot in the trailer pissed you off, go back to Star Wars Episode Four to the scene. Where C three PO wakes up inside of the uh, the what are they called smugglers or whatever they are um, I forgot what they were called but the giant ship with all the robots in it go back to that scene and watch that scene and look at the ridiculousness of the robots and 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 the way that like there's like one being tortured in the corner and shit like it's it's a ridiculous like it's always the, the robots have always been just kind of a comic relief almost kind of thing or alternatively if the robot pissed you off um jump off a cliff <laughs> and remove your polluted seed from the gene pool yeah um but yeah I th- the trailer was cool whatever uh looking forward to it oh oh and and if the concept of a black stormtrooper is is too much for you then then also jump off a cliff and <laughs> and if if you're the kind of person to see a black stormtrooper and then go on twitter and say Oh my god, isn't it great that we can finally have a black stormtrooper? You jump off the fucking cliff too. I'm sick of this shit. It's a black guy who's a stormtrooper. That's <laughs> it. Jesus Christ. Moving I, on. I think it's funny that people are even talking about yeah. that too. So next on here is a gamer gape drama. Oh hey, you vape, you gamer vape. You want a gamer vape, my gamer gape? I, I think it's been a couple episodes. Internet aristocrat. Since we've talked about gamer gape. I think it has, too. Anyway, we're back. Anyway. Internet Aristocrat threw in the towel. Yep. And, oh my god, that was so funny. It was the most dramatic thing I've heard in a while. Yeah. It's like this very melodramatic... The point was... This is why he quit. He quit because Gamergate was becoming too not extreme for him. Yeah. Like, he wanted this very aggressive, very radical, fuck the system, it's broken, it's corrupt, and that's useful to get people interested in something. But, you know, 
Gamergate is winding down generally. Finally. Like, there's the, all the dirt, or not all of it, but most of the relevant dirt has been uncovered. People get what's going on, and people ca- tend to gravitate toward reasonable discussion if you let them. You're obviously going to have, you know, firebrand shitters on both sides who like to keep stirring shit. But your average Joe might feel really opinionated at first, really drawn to people like Internet Aristocrat, these very fiery rhetoricians who can spin the, the events in just the right way to fire you up. That is appealing at first, but over time, people tend to, you know, try to meet each other where they're at. And that upsets him, I guess. Yeah. So he's done. And he won't be missed. It's ironic, too. Not by me, at least. It's ironic, too, because he's sitting here. He Basically, what he does is he claims... Um, we'll link it, too. We'll link the video. But he claims that uh, Gamergate has become so moderate uh, that it's failed. And in my opinion, from what I've seen um, on social networks and stuff, uh, Gamergate is more... Like people are listening to the Gamergate side of things more than they ever have because of the moderate stance that that's becoming more, uh, that's being more uh, listened to. I I don't know. Moderates or the extreme the the extreme people like Internet Aristocrat have stopped being so loud now, and the moderates have kind of kept going. Uh, and so I think that there's actually more discussion than ever happening right now, and there's there's more attention being paid to it. F- by the people who matter, by the people who are the heads of these magazines and stuff. Uh, and people like an internet aristocrat, people have realized, Oh, you're, you're fucking crazy. Uh, and he did this stream where, I don't know if you heard about the crazy stream that he did. That was like really awkward. And, and, and like he, I think he, he was denying maybe not that the Holocaust happened, but that like 6 million Jews died or something. It's like, (laughs) what are you doing, man? Um, so I think that's really kind of the real. I don't reason. want to make my opinions moderate. <laughs> I don't want to compromise my integrity. Yeah. By entertaining the idea that the Holocaust happened. Yeah. I have too much integrity <laughs> to not deny the Holocaust. The whole idea that like you have to have extreme opinions to to have your side of things heard or to like be popular or whatever the hell his argument was is just it's ridiculous and silly and. It's 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 the perfect thing for someone to say right as they close their YouTube channel forever. Uh, just like mm-hmm. everyone else is wrong and I'm right, and God damn it, this is goodbye, suckers. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, to me, the turning point was when Total Biscuit made that um like hour and forty minute long discussion video with the uh, editor in chief of Kotaku. Yeah. Like, at the point where you have somebody who's very evidently on the quote-unquote Gamergate side, and then you have somebody part of the system, another quote-unquote there, the head of the system, you know, the the big bad himself, the editor-in-chief of Kotaku, and when you hear them talk, and they talk like regular people, and that neither of them seem like devils, it 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 just shatters that adversarial environment that all these Gamergate streamers like Internet Aristocrat and Whiskey Grenade and and King of Pole have tried to create. Like, it all came tumbling down, you could say, (laughs) once, you know, it turned out that the other side was actually willing to talk. Yeah. And that they're aware 
of your concerns, and they think that maybe you should see it a little bit from this angle. And then Total Biscuit says, no, well, we still don't think that's an adequate answer, but we're willing to talk about this and this. That's so much more, like, it's so much less soul-crushing to be a part of that rhetorical situation than the one that Internet Aristocrat created. Like, your heart as a human being can't stand to be in that constant adversarial mode. Yeah. And that's why they, that kind of fizzled out. And I'm not saying that this is why he showed his channel down. I do a lot of this. So I'm just going to, like, start signaling when I'm going into speculation mode. This is one of those times. But it almost seems like he's trying to martyr himself. I think so. Like, he is the victim of the 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 evil centrist gamer gator and he is up on the cross for us to see and he's going to make his sacri- we need to make his sacrifice count I, no thanks i'll go a little bit further than that actually i'll say he's not bartering himself he's kind of saying uh you're not good enough you don't deserve me anymore I think that's what he's saying. And I, I think he almost literally says that if you listen to the video. I mean, that is kind of what he's saying. It's like, you have you have ruined your own calls, and I now, like, I, I don't belong here anymore because you've shot yourself in the foot, is, is his, that's word for word. Um, but between him and King of Pole now, both of them having been ousted from gamer king of pole faking that leak (laughs) yeah we need to that needs to be said again he faked a leak from the editor-in-chief of kotaku that he had this this chat log or something that he was going to release and the whole thing was made up and he even milo ianopoulos and and uh, hot wheels just basically cut him out of the inner circle because Uh, it was so blatant a lie and the he between those two things happening between those two people kind of uh both of them have kind of people have seen their true colors now uh i have the the biggest feeling of i told you so of all time right now because i think i i'm actually need to go back to episode 1 and listen to what i was saying about it because i i specifically remember saying something along the lines of people need to be careful who they rally behind in this kind of discussion because People are in it for themselves, first of all. And secondly, they can be fucking crazy. And here you go, you know? Well, the ironic thing is that he's saying that people are all in it for self-promotion when his pulling out from this movement that he helped create is really selfish because there are a lot of people who are really looking to him as much as they shouldn't have been. We're looking to him as a sort of voice of reason, a champion of the good fight, and then he just leaves them high and dry. And the 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 buzz phrase that gets repeated all the time is Gamergate is a leaderless movement. It's not. You have leaders. Internet Aristocrat, Total Biscuit, Adam Baldwin. There are leaders that set agendas in the Gamergate movement. And Internet Aristocrat was one of them. And he definitely betrayed a lot of people that trusted him to be that leader not that he was a good leader because he wasn't but his pulling out was very selfish yeah i i I think um i don't know i I, i'm not sad that he's gone because i think that he was overall bad for 
I, I hate to say it this way, but he was bad for the image of Gamergate because he was an extremist and he was someone who likes to use the the buzzwords of the Gamergate side, which are just as bad as the buzzwords of the the social justice side or whatever. Um, he was perpetuating that kind of image of Gamergate that 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 people have created in their heads, and so I think it's. I, I'm kind of. I think it's actually probably an overall positive for the movement that he's gone, and that he's gone with these. The, with his final words being, "Gamergate has become too reasonable for me." <laughs> like, like he's openly saying this. This movement is too reasonable. Um, and maybe you know what? Maybe he. Maybe he is sacrificing himself. Maybe, maybe that isn't his true beliefs. Maybe he's doing this for the overall good of the movement. I. I don't think so, though. Yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, <laughs> I think he's more interested um, in looking. As when I called him like a martyr, like martyring himself, I mainly meant as in like making himself no, I, yeah, a I martyr with all the prestige and, and sympathy yeah. that comes with it. Um, Poor internet aristocrat. Oh, he was bullied. <laughs> Cyberbullying. Um, let's see. We've we've got uh, moving on from Gamergate. Uh, and ironically, you know, we don't have any Gamergate news from the other side because people have overall just kind of shut up about it for the most part, which... Yay. Um, moving on from that, uh, let's see. We've got Game of Thrones on here. You, you talk about that. Okay, so we talked a little bit about this last time, but something I didn't know then and something that makes it a little more interesting is that each episode of the Telltale Game of Thrones adventure game, the upcoming game, is supposed to focus on a different character, almost like the uh, the books of the show, how they kind of have different point-of-view characters that have stories that kind of vaguely interweave. And I was a little puzzled when I saw that it was going to be six episodes yeah. instead of five, because Telltale always does five episodes. It's been true since season one of The Walking Dead, and they've done it for Wolf Among Us season two, um, and they're doing it for Tales of the Borderlands too. It's all five episodes. So I was a little confused by the six. But it might make sense... It might make sense if it's... Um, like five point of view characters that each have their own episode and then one episode at the end that kind of lets them all come together and have things unfold. I'm not sure that that's how it's going to work, but that seems to make sense. Yeah, I, that makes sense to me. To me. It sounds neat. Um, I, it, the way that the book does it where, where each, each character has their own chapter and, and it, I mean, eventually you're, you're dealing with so many characters that you don't even get back to like your favorite ones for a while or whatever. And that's, I don't know. I, I think that that's fine. And I think that that'll work fine for what they're trying to do. But overall, I'm just really interested to see how they handle the, the plot. If they try to change it up like at all, or if they try to keep it, well, they have to change it up a little bit because if they're going to give you choices, even in minor things, then it, it has to be somewhat different from the book, but and, and are they going to try to follow the television show or the book? I don't know. It's it's going to be fascinating because um, it's the it's a rare it's a rare um, instance of you've got the show which is based on the book, and now you've got a game which is potentially based on the show which is based on the book, and and so we're kind of being we're we're like third removed from the original source material. So I I don't know. It's a weird situation, but it'll be interesting. Um, that might be the first Tales game that I actually get into, maybe, but. We'll see. The reason the reason that I put it on the news section is because what just the information that just came out was the release date. It's going to come out on December second, which is really soon. That's tomorrow. So 
I'll probably have played that in time for next episode. Yeah. It comes up technically it's tomorrow. So. Yep. In fact, it's out when you're hearing this. <laughs> but um, yeah. Well, I mean, it's the first now, and it comes out the second. So if they hear it like later today, then oh, it's already put... okay. Yeah. For some reason, I thought. Fuck it. We're not going to get into the, the the weird confusion of podcast times when they're coming out the next day. But anyway, <laughs> um, I just added on here, um, Activision. Something that happened last week is that Activision, uh, well, okay, Machinima sent out an email, a mass email to their partners and said, hey, be careful uploading um, videos of glitches in Call of Duty, in the new Call of Duty video, because Activision might flag them for copyright. Uh, and the person who broke this, of course, was was, was Bro Team. Uh, <laughs> he has been having an ongoing dispute with Machinima in which they would not release his channel. And so he's been doing everything he can to piss off Machinima. And this is the latest thing that he did was he made this email that's supposed to be private public. And uh, it kind of, it actually blew up a little bit. I saw it on several different sites uh, reporting on it because it's really, really, really scummy trying to take down videos that show glitches in your Mm -hmm. game. Like just fix the glitches. Um, (laughs) But uh, Activision actually, like, I was really surprised by this. Activision actually apparently came out and said, gave an explanation for it, uh, which I thought for sure they would just ignore it completely and, and act like it never happened, which still was probably their best course of action. But anyway, they came out and they publicly said... What did they say? They said, we're only blocking exploits uh, for multiplayer that could give like a potential advantage or something like that. Um, which I actually... Uh, I Here's the thing. I believe them. I think that that's probably true. Uh, I think that that's still really terrible to flag the videos for copyright because of the exploits in your game. First of all, fix the exploits. Don't flag the fucking videos. Secondly, when you flag those videos, you're hurting innocent YouTubers who only get, what is it, three strikes before their entire channel gets taken down? Like, fuck you. And on your first strike, on your first strike, you lose a ton of privileges of what you can do with your account. If you get a copyright strike, and there's no review process for this, anybody can just strike you. Uh, you lose your ability to make unlisted videos. You can't stream on YouTube anymore. Uh, there's a lot you can't it's do. It's fucked up. If you have a strike. And there's no review. You, your only option is to file a, a DMCA counterclaim, which then they have 10 days to either sue you or let it slide. But, I, I mean, this is clearly... It's it's a little different, but it's really not. It's basically like freedom of the press in that you're covering a flaw in the game. That if a game has a game-breaking exploit or a multiplayer-breaking exploit, then that's something that you would want to report on. It's a consumer issue if these problems exist in a product being sold. And a video that shows that is clearly protected under the law. Yeah, it's very clearly under fair use because fair use does specifically say that if it's reporting, then it's 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 fine. And and it is you're right. There's no other way to define it. It is reporting. I mean, whether it's amateur or not, it's reporting on a feature in the game or not a feature in the game, but a, a, a glitch in the game. And you could you could argue that it's also a review of the game in some way, depending on the on how the video is made. But uh, yeah, it's it's just it's obviously terrible that they're doing that. Uh, and I don't think the fact that they're doing it uh, to try to avoid people using those exploits in the game makes it any any less scummy than trying to do it for any other reason. Um, 
Yeah, I totally and, agree. And I, I think in the end, it's probably just a... They probably didn't think that it was a big deal. Whoever made the decision to do that probably never thought of the potential ramifications of it and just said, yeah, fuck it, let's do it. And now they've got like some intern just going through the videos and flagging them. And nobody thought it would be a big deal until, hey, wait a minute. This is actually like a huge deal for right. YouTubers and, and, and it's fucked up. But uh, I, I hope I, – I'm going to follow up on that story. I, I think there's probably more to it that I haven't really researched because I just thought of it on the spot. But uh, yeah, I, I, I hope that they backpedal away from that because it's 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 a really – it's an ongoing thing that, that, that these game companies are doing. And it's it's not just with glitches but, if, you know, like Nintendo's doing it and all that stuff. It's – it's really annoying, um, but uh, yeah. And oh, and on the along that same line, you you mentioned the uh, Mecha Gamezilla Christmas video from last year. Uh, I just thought I'd say I'll probably link it. I first of all, it's a great video, um, like most of his videos are, but it's particularly great. And uh, it it got copyright flagged as well. Uh, are you serious? And he actually he did what you did and uh, tried to file like an official complaint and everything, and apparently lost. Uh, they decided that it wasn't under fair use or whatever which i think seems like a bad judgment was it for the music video, he used probably because that's Christmas music or whatever that he was using yeah. that's one of the only circumstances that that that's like the easiest call yeah, against definitely. the youtube make if it's if it's just music being used to kind of add flavor or something that's one of the few like completely indefensible things from a copyright yeah. perspective so um, that sucks but it sucks he Luckily, I, I thought that it was like kind of gone forever unless someone had like a backup of it. He re-uploaded on, on uh, Daily Motion or something recently, so I'll put that in the description because it's a good video. And apparently, he's making another one for this year, so I'm looking forward so to that. So to his. Yeah, yeah, his Christmas and specials. Didn't he are tweet? Fantastic. He tweeted earlier that if something happened with this this copyright thing he was working through, then he would just quit YouTube, and then upload his an archive of all the videos he's made, and then be done with it. So yeah. I really hope he doesn't do that. Yeah, that's ugh. Um, yeah, sucks when people's creativity gets punished. <laughs> yep. um, uh, do we have any email questions or anything? We do. We have two. All right. Um, I'll, I'll one of the questions is specifically. One of the questions is specifically for you. Oh, cool. Uh, and it's you know you'll be able to answer it pretty quickly. It's from Thomas. Skippy, have you played Metal Gear Rising? Yes, I've played Metal Gear Rising. Um, I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast at all. I think we, we I think we have, yeah. Uh, yeah. Episode three's week um, section. My opinion on Metal Gear Rising is that it's it's a pretty good game by itself. Uh, it's it's not a Metal Gear game at all. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's decent, and the ending is really great. Like the last. 30 minutes of that game are pretty fantastic. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, whatever. I, I I don't love it. A lot of people really, really like it. I, I think it's just an okay game or whatever. Um, did you know that Kojima in in Ground Zeroes, there's like a moment where like there's a special like set of missions or something where you can like try to hunt down the Metal Gear uh, series' logos on the sides of walls and stuff yeah on the map. yeah and if you get to metal gear rising then it like uh i think like snake says or or big boss says something like oh that's nothing important or something like that i, I, I thought I that was portable ops or something no it was definitely metal gear rising um because i saw rising? a video of it okay. 
I, I don't know exactly what he says, but it's pretty fucking like it's it's brutal. Um, apparently, Kojima does not like that game. Portable Ops is another one that he's, but he's kind of just swept that one under the rug. Apparently, like he's just kind of like, eh, it's not canon, basically. But whatever. Um, Did he really? Yeah, but uh, I, I'm surprised that he wouldn't like that game. Melgate Rising. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You probably it's probably something very specific about like the plot or something, you know? I don't know. I hope he's just poking fun. But... It could be that too. And and who knows how like maybe something sarcastically said in the Japanese version gets translated over more literally than it was intended to or something, you know? Um I don't know. You should look it up. There's a video. I'll I'll find a video of it and I'll link it too. But uh yeah, I I'm, I'm almost 100% sure it's Melgate Rising. Um Anyway, yeah, that's my answer. All right. And the other question comes from Toby. Let me pull it up here. It's about mods. What have been your favorite mods? Any game, multiplayer, or single-player mods? Hmm. Uh, this might be a cop-out, but Gary's mod is obviously... Yep, that's the first thing that came to my mod. mind. Uh, we talked about Forge mode a little bit last time, but that's not really a mod. Yeah, that's a, um, it's like a built-in mod almost. I the mod that's impressed me the most. There's two mods, um, both for Battlefield games actually, that are incredibly impressive. Um, in fact, they're so impressive that I think a lot of the mod makers got put on the official like Dice team at least for one or two of the games. But uh, for Battlefield 1942, which was the first Battlefield mod and it was a, obviously a world war ii um not not mod first battlefield game it was obviously a world war ii game someone made a mod that fully converted that game with maps and everything maps and vehicles and guns and armies and link and 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 uh voice acting and everything they they made it a modern uh battlefield game and that was that was shortly after 1942's release. It's not like this is something that people have gone way back on, like after Battlefield 2 came out or anything. Like, no, this was like this. I think this is pretty much what made Battlefield 2 happen. This mod, which I think it was called Modern. I don't know. I want to say Modern Combat or something. Uh, I think that might have been one of the official Battlefield games, though. But anyway, uh, it it was a really impressive mod, and it was actually a lot of fun too. Like I played a lot of it, and and um, and then for Battlefield 2. I don't think it's the same people, but uh, a mod came out for that called Project Reality, and I think they also do mods for a couple of other games, uh, maybe for maybe of the same name. But anyway, for Battlefield 2, they made a mod called Project Reality, which was like trying to make Battlefield more almost like a simulator, uh, like a military simulator, but not not to the point of like obnoxiousness. Like there's still respawns and all that stuff, but like they fully converted the game and, and made it into something completely different and it's it's really cool um abf had a lot of fun playing that <laughs> but anyway uh yeah i'd, I'd say those are a couple of friends on steam really like yeah that game. yeah it's still really probably. popular um in fact i i think i still have it installed right now <laughs> a really awesome mod uh for team fortress 2 actually is tf2 wear and if you ever played the WarioWare games have you played yeah those? yeah yeah Yes, if you're not familiar with them, they're micro games. They last maybe five seconds tops, most of them at least. And they're just real quick mini challenges that you have to do, like um, don't jump or, or like uh, boost your way to the top real quick or headshot the 
pumpkin man some some real quick yeah. thing that's real short and really like tense and it keeps getting faster and faster and faster and everyone's doing these micro games at the same time and there are like boss stages in it it's really cool how it works and it's not going to entertain you for hours and hours but it's really worth experience there's a gary's mod if you can find like a, a server running yeah there, there's a gary's mod version of that which is it'll be like shoot the targets and like 10 targets will appear and everyone has to try to shoot them as fast as possible and everything it's it's really neat and so fast-paced that it's incredibly fun um it's a mod of a mod there's a lot of there's a lot of gary's mod mods which are really good <laughs> but uh another mod that that came into my mind was um Oh god. I think it's called uh shit, what is it called? I wanna call I wanna say Stalker, but Stalker's the, the game that fuck. It's a uh it's a mod for it's a source mod where one person plays as like a Alright, we're back. Sorry. Uh more technical difficulties and they're all Mike's fault. Um, yeah. We, we were... yeah, my my laptop blue screen, so we were uh I was answering the question uh, about mods, and I was talking about a mod that I couldn't remember the name of, but luckily the technical difficulties gave me time to look it up on Google, and the name of the mod is... Silver Lining. The Hidden. Um, the Hidden. Yeah. Oh, yeah, wait, I've seen of um, footage yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good. I think it's, it was an ABF video. Um, it One person is an almost entirely invisible monster kind of dude and he's got a knife and like a couple of grenades and everyone else is kind of like SWAT team members kind of and the hidden has to like jump around and try to stab them and stuff and it's 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 fantastic it's a really awesome game and I, I I'm really surprised that, that nobody's cool. like made a full-blown game out of it but whatever um, and I, I was trying to think of single player mods that I really like, but I don't really mod single player games very much. Like even the Elder Scrolls games, I never got into the modding scene, so I, I really don't have anything like interesting as far as that goes. Yeah, I don't do much single player modding, or at least most of it is like the uh, essential fan made sure. fixes and patches that unbreak the game. Yeah, like I guess I, I did a lot of mods for New Vegas. But they were they're usually kinda subtle. They don't really change much other than some subtle balance things and uh, fixing a quest or yeah. adding some more dialogue. The only other mods that I really play are are for uh Arma. We have a set of mods that we play with to get the experience we're looking for and it's kind of it's kinda of necessary with that game. Like the base game is so screwy and stuff. It just doesn't doesn't work all that well without mods, but I did play, I don't know if it was a map or a mod, but like a, it was some kind of moddy stuff going on, and I don't play much Arma, but an Arma 3 thing, where you're like big boss infiltrating this oh, really? camp, or like or like you're Fox, yeah. and you and some other big boss types are sneaking around, it's pitch black, and you're like crawling across this runway, and there's patrols going by. It's really cool. That's neat. Uh, yeah. And they even have like Metal Gear music in the game. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like that's on cool. the radios and stuff playing. Yeah, that's that's neat. Um, there's a lot of interesting stuff that people have done with the Arma Three, especially Arma Three has green light support or whatever. It's for Steam, and so you can literally you don't even have to restart the game or anything. You just download like a mission file, and when you download oh, the, the mission workshop. file, like they can put stuff in there that's like really custom like the music and all that stuff and so 
people have created really interesting stuff. There's one, they're, they're usually not very well made, but that's kind of part of the fun in my opinion. Like uh, Boone from A Bad Feeling, uh, Boone and I did a stream kind of recently and, and we want to do another one where we were kind of downloading like some like horror missions that that we could find. And there was one that was like aliens have invaded an island and you had to fight <laughs> the aliens off. But then there was another that was like the Mothman from like that movie. Um, and you're like hunting the Mothman or something and you like go around and like talk to civilians and they tell you where to go and stuff. It's really silly stuff, but it's it's a lot of fun just to mess around with that stuff. That's pretty cool. All right, what's our uh, what's our next question? Is there a next? That question? was it. Those okay. were the two questions this week. Well, um, perfect. It's getting late, and we've had so many issues that we need to end <laughs> this thing before another one finds its way in. Uh, so, yeah, I sorry if this is a really awkward podcast to listen to with all the technical issues. Hopefully, we'll edit it in such a way that it's not too bad. Uh, but and hopefully we're just so charming. Well, yeah, that too. Yeah, you don't even notice. Um, I mean, we are. We're we're pretty great. Um, and that's why you should tune in next week because we'll have another episode. Uh, hopefully a lot more to talk about too. Um, I think it's been going on for about an hour and forty minutes, maybe. So we're close to our general target that we've been hitting. The golden time. Yep. So, anyway, uh, have a nice Monday or whatever day you're listening to this on. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. See you, folks.